I thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I pray the witness of your spirit and your word among us tonight. We lift you up, O oh God. You are great and greatly to be praised. You have brought us out of darkness. You cause the light of your word to shine into our lives. I thank you, Father. I worship you tonight. Hallelujah. I thank you. You are faithful. You are just. You are good. I worship you, my Father. I worship you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Bless your name, we bless your name. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. You feel the refreshing of his spirit right there. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You know, sometimes you can be tired and come to the house of the Lord, but that's about how long it takes for him to refresh your spirit. I feel the refreshing. Praise God. Praise God. You could be seated if you'd like to. I just want to dive right in tonight if we could do that. Amen. Praise God. Remember... Um, my wife and sister Tisha, they are traveling there, dropping off girls at college. And they've arrived safely, and they should be coming back home tomorrow somewhere along the way. They should get in here. Praise God. Amen. I was, it was the summer. I don't know how you remember summers. Um, I, I I think most people work this way, but I don't know how I work. I, I remember by events. And uh, then for me to track time, not only do I remember the event, so I remember the event, and then I try to remember the address. The reason I try to remember the address is because as a child, we had 14 different addresses or more. By the time I was uh, in my mid-teens. And so if I can remember the address, I can usually sort of trace back to a year. And then I can sort of... So it was the summer of 1978. That sort of sounds like a long time ago all of a sudden. Uh, some of you are like, that was a long time ago. Um, summer of 1978 is... Uh, one of those times where I have a childhood memory forever etched in my life. Um, and I think I underestimated it. You know, when you're a child and you experience something in that moment, it's like the best thing that ever happened, depending on what it is. I remember one year at Christmas when our children were younger I think maybe just Joey was home then, or just Joey was the only child maybe then, or only one that was big enough to know what was happening when he was opening a gift maybe. And every gift that he opened was, 
Oh, this is exactly what I wanted. Oh, this is. And you're thinking, man, I mean, you, you, like, you hit the jackpot as a parent. You just, but it was just right, the experience of the moment. It was, and uh, I couldn't tell you what any of those gifts were, but I remember that moment. And so, you know, when you're a child, you have those moments. But as you get older, you don't remember all those. But you have some that really just stay with you. And, and the ones that stay with you, you maybe don't realize the value of them when you're a child. But as you grow older and you reflect, and what I've had happen in my life, I've reflected on some of those things and I've appreciated them. But a few years later, maybe the Lord will take me back to them and I'll reflect again. And it means more to me then than it did when I was reflecting on it a few years before. And so the summer of 1978, and some of you have heard me tell this story, I... um, I, of course, was not quite eight years old, and my sister was, I guess she was nine. She was 18 months older than I, and so she would have been nine years old, and I would have been seven, and my mom got us up every morning that summer, and she sat us down at the breakfast table. We'd eat breakfast, whatever that was. And then she'd get out the Search for Truth Bible study chart and set it on the kitchen table. Uh, this was before the Search for Truth 2 that's updated in beautiful colors. This was the Search for Truth that was black and white and red. It was three colors. And, um, and so, and she gave us both a new Bible at the beginning of that summer. I say new in quotes because she got it at a thrift store somewhere. And uh, I remember the one I had. It was it was about that thick. It's black. But the edges of the pages around the edge, you probably seen like, like, like these are sort of gold. They call it gilded, I guess. These were red. It was sort of red. You ever seen those Bibles or books like that that are like, that's what I remember. I wish I had that Bible. My mom might. I'm going to have to go look for that. And uh, so that was the one she gave me. And it was like, wow, I got a new Bible. My sister got a new one. I don't remember what hers looked like. And, uh, and that summer, my, at seven years old, my mom sat that Bible study chart on that table every morning. And I think it's only 12 lessons, but we took more than 12 days. Just to scoot over. We took the whole stinking summer. <laughs> and we worked through that chart. And I remember my mom. I look back and I. She must have just been reading out of the book. I'm not really sure. But I was just a kid and she was my mom and. And she's showing me these pictures and she's walking me through. And, and I can go back to when I was younger. Before that, we had these 12 books my grandparents gave her that had the Bible stories all the way through them. And, th- I mean, this was before, like, just the highlight stories. This had all the stories. There were, like, 12 or 15 of them. And, I mean, they started with Adam and Eve. And they ended, they ended in Revelation with the great white throne. And they had pictures and I'm thinking, man, they'd scare kids to death by now if they picked up the last book before they worked. But when I was a small child, my mom would read those stories to us. And then that summer of 78, she, I guess she thought, well, this child's seven years old. He's old enough now to start hearing this. And 
I can't imagine teaching a seven-year-old to search for truth. That, but she did. And I had that Bible. And if you've ever looked through one of those books, I mean, like one lesson has 60 scriptures listed in it, right? I mean, there's, you can't read them all if you do one lesson in the time that it gives you. Like you're supposed to do it in 45 minutes. There's no way if you cover all those scriptures. But she covered all of those scriptures. We didn't miss any of them. And the reason I know that is because as we walked through that Bible study and we had our new Bibles, we underlined every scripture that when we would stop at it, we would stop and we would mark it. And so it would, it would be marked in our Bible. So if I still had that Bible, I could tell you every scripture that was in the search for truth chart because I had them all underlined in that Bible. I've, I don't know if, stay with us, we're going somewhere tonight. I don't know if my mom realized what she was doing. And by that, I mean, I think she understood. She wanted to teach her children the word. She wanted them to know the word. And so... What she knew to do was, well, I know there's this chart, and I know I've got this book. And so if you would ask her, she would probably say, I don't know how, but I can read a book and give them a Bible and let them underline, and, and that would be the way I'll. I don't think she realized the impact the Lord was allowing her to make to put the word in our heart for an entire summer. And at seven years old, I didn't realize the power of what was being given me. At 47 years old, I reflect on the investment of a summer and the power of the word of God. I can say from that summer on, it definitely instilled in me a love for and a fear of the word. You understand that if you got to the end of that black, white, and red search for truth chart. <laughs> that chart would scare somebody to death. I had sleepless nights by the time we got to those last few lessons, Brother Lewis. That chart didn't tone anything down about what the scripture says about heaven and hell. And, and so... It did something in me for the word of God. And there's great power in the word of God. Tremendous power in the word of God. The scripture says, if you'll look in Psalm 119, is probably one of the most precious chapters in the entire book. It is, of course, the longest chapter in scripture. And every verse in there has something to say about the word. The word, the law, the precepts, the judgments, the testimonies of God. And so you consider those things and these reverses we had to memorize. Psalm 119 and 9 said, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That was one I had to learn early, my mom said. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed 
according to thy word. So you can imagine how a mom would teach that verse <laughs> to a young man. And then you skip down just two more verses. We've all heard this one. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It was six years ago. I was praying one morning and I don't know if you've ever done this. I've been praying before, and I'm like, I've made a statement. I'm like, that's not original with me. Is that in the Word somewhere? And so then I'll go searching in the Word to see if I can find in the Word what I just said. I don't know if anybody else ever had that happen. And so it was six years ago that happened to me, and I ended up at verse 18 in this chapter where it said, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy Word. That verse literally means uncover the things that are hiding my eyes so that I can see the marvelous things in your word. Psalmist said in verse number 25, my soul melteth for heaviness, strengthen me according to thy word. The word of God is, we know in Hebrews 4 and 12, it tells us it's quick, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul, the spirit, the joints, the marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word does this. The Word of God does this. Verse 89 in Psalm 119, of course, is forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Verse 105 tells us, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. Verse 114, which was one that I, as a child, I would go to because of the situation in which I grew up. Verse 114 says this, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. And so what happened when I said I don't know that my mom really realized what she was doing? Situations in home and life and we went through as children. Different people would go to different things for sanctuary and solace depending on what they were facing as a child, things they would retreat to. Uh, please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to pin roses or anything. It's just what happened to me. So when I was scared or something, which was fear was common in my home, I would run to the word. It was the only place I felt safe. And so that's why that verse meant so much to me. You're my hiding place and you're my shield. It meant something to me as a child. And. My mom didn't know that. I just, I don't believe. I believe the Lord was using her. And she, but when she was putting the word in me at seven years old, it was developing something in me that I, if nothing else could keep me, I knew the word could. And I had a confidence that the word is true. If nothing else in my life is true, if it's unstable and can break, the, the word of God is sure. The, the word of God is steadfast, Brother Jester. The word will, will never change and 
My address was changing all the time and people's emotions around me were changing all the time and attitudes were changing and tempers were changing and schools were changing and churches were changing and I, everything was changing but the one thing that was constant that I, I could always go to and know it's sure, it's steadfast, I could hold to it, it gives me strength is the word of God. Nothing replaces the word. It's the reason the writer said he has exalted his word above his name. The word of God is precious. The word of God never, ever fails. Verse 133, the writer said, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. It is the power of the word of God. Verse 140 says, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. There's not a whole lot of pure things in our world today. The word of God is pure. The word of God is Pure. Aren't you thankful for the pure word of God? I sure am. I sure am. Knowing this power of the word. We know in John 1 says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus said it's recorded in a couple of the gospels. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. The prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Lord, made this statement. He said, my word will not return void, but will accomplish that which I send it to do. There is no substitute. There is no replacement for the word of God. The rich, everlasting, anointed word of God. The word of God keeps us. The word of God protects us. The word of God saves us. The scripture tells us plainly that the Lord chose the foolishness of preaching to save the lost. Well, we can't just preach our opinions and our ideas. It's the preaching of the word of God to save the lost. It is the power of his word. And I, I was taught that Bible study in 1978. I was already baptized in Jesus' name. I'd already received the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost. I was a pretty faithful church attender because <laughs> I went when my parents went, and they always went. And So I wasn't the typical, man, this person needs a Bible study, per se. But I look back, and I would say that the teaching of a Bible study was critical in the saving of my life. It was critical in the saving of my life. Now, 
I've been in communication with different ones over the last two and a half, three weeks, based on some communication that was shared with us by Bishop with different congregations, and uh, reflecting and praying about Bible studies again and again, and it really wasn't until uh, today in prayer that the Lord took me back to when I was eight years old and began to deal with me about what was put in my spirit that I may have underestimated. Because of the power of the word of God. I, in considering these things and thinking about these things, and some aren't, aren't able to be here tonight, but uh, I think about those that came to the Lord through a home Bible study. We're taught a home Bible study just in this congregation. How many of you came to the Lord through a home Bible study in this congregation? Why don't you stand for just a moment? If a home Bible study brought you to this congregation, I want you to look. A home Bible study. That's 50%. Thank you. You can be seated. Sister uh, Sister Yesenia is not able to be here tonight. She came through a home Bible study to the Lord. Uh, you look around and you look at those that were standing. I, I think I see Sister Brittany and I see Brother Joey and Sister Stephanie. I know they're a product of a home Bible study. I see Sister Priscilla and Brother Rosario, these products of a home Bible study. What's beautiful to me is, I don't know if you notice, Brother, Brother Julie, Brother Lewis and Sister Julie. Brother Lewis and Sister Julie were a product of home Bible study. But what you may or may not realize is that Sister Brittany and the Charles and the Santos are a product of the Rodriguez teaching a home Bible study. Home Bible studies impact lives. There is no substitute for the word of God getting in a heart. And I'm not making light. Please don't misunderstand this and not trying to dumb down what my mother did when I was a child. But if you were to ask her how qualified she is to teach a home Bible study, she would probably tell you, I'm not qualified. I just took the book and I just shared the scripture and I pointed on the chart to what correlated with the scripture and we just continued walking through it. And the result was a hungry heart that was willing to receive the word and it got in the heart and the word stands on its own. The word stands on its own. Now, as a child of God filled with the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost, when you begin, which my mother was filled with the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost, when you begin to share the word of God with a hungry heart, there's something that's happening with word and spirit. And the word, the scripture is clear, the letter of the law killeth, but the spirit gives it life. 
And so when you and I as a child of God begin to share the word of God, we may not feel anything, but if there's a hungry heart and we're sharing the seed, the word of God with a hungry heart, it does something that cannot be denied and the word of God can take hold and take root. And the word of God will forever change a life. I think my mom would say this to you, and I think Brother Lewis and Sister Julie would say this, and Brother and Sister Santos. And If my mom can teach a home Bible study, anybody can. If you can read, you could teach a home Bible study. Really. If you could read. You say, but I don't know. What if they ask a question? You know what I've learned? You can say, I don't know. But let's keep going. Maybe it'll show up somewhere in this study. And you just keep sharing the word. And you keep sharing the word. And you keep sharing the word. This past spring, my mom just finished another Bible study with a lady that was her next door neighbor. She'd been working on her for six and a half years, and she finally got her to agree to sit together for a Bible study. They were, I don't know if my mom's a slow teacher or... (laughs) They were three months into this Bible study that they were doing every week. And the revelation of the word came. And this lady who was in her mid to late 60s said, I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I got a text. At, not a text. My mom doesn't know how to text. She should learn. But I got a phone call from my mom at 1130 at night. One night, just these few months ago. And you know, when it's 1130 at night for you and I here. It's 130 in the morning for where my mom lives. And so when you look at your phone and you're and I'm in bed and asleep at 1130 at night. Most wise people are just saying. Uh, <laughs> but I'm looking at my phone and it's 1130 in the morning and I see mom. Well, when it's I'm. My first thought is it's 1.30 there. What's wrong? Right? And so I answer the phone. And so my mom's first words are, I'm sorry if I woke you up. She knows she woke me up. But I had to call. I'm like, what's going on, mom? Are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? She's all excited. She's all excited. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what, mom? What? 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 Joanne got the Holy Ghost tonight, and she was all excited because the Lord had filled her neighbor with the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost from a home Bible study. Now, if I'd asked my mom, what did you do? She said, I didn't do anything. She just agreed to let me walk her through this chart. And so I got the chart and the book and we worked through it. And she saw it in the word and finally it. 
Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, 37, Acts 2 and 37. This, of course, is on the day of Pentecost. Many have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost as it was poured out in the upper room. They spake with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and people thought they were drunk, and because people thought all these were drunk, Peter stood up and began to speak and declared to them that they were not drunk, at least not the way the people thought they were drunk. But he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And he began to give them a Bible study there in the upper room. They were not in a church. They were in a house somewhere. Matter of fact, it's where they lived. If you read in the first chapter, it says they abode in this upper room. And so they're in this house, and they heard what was happening, and they saw what was happening, and apparently some of them decided to come on in, and Peter and them invited them in, and there they were, and he began to give them a Bible study. He, and you can read through Acts chapter 2. He quotes the book of Joel. He quotes the Psalms in a couple of places. He's walking them through Scripture. And when they heard the Scripture, verse 37 says, and when they heard this, and he, of course, lets them, leads them through the Old Testament Scripture to let them know this Jesus that you crucified was both Lord and Christ. You were waiting for the Messiah. He came, and you missed it, and you killed him. And he showed them that through the Scripture. He gave them a Bible study. Now, when they heard this, what did they hear? They heard the Word of God. They heard a Bible study. When they heard it, they were pricked in their heart. And so they responded to the word of God. And they said, men and brethren, the brethren are all the apostles that are there standing with Peter. Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is to you and to your children and them that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly, notice, received his word, were baptized. And they were added the same day, about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, had all things common, sold their possessions, goods, parted them to all men as every man had need. Notice verse 46 and 47. Because we're still on the day of Pentecost, and we're understanding the result of those filled with the Holy Ghost and added to the church. What did they do? Verse 46. And they... What did they do? Continue. How often did they continue? Daily. And they continuing daily. What did they continue daily? With one accord in the temple. Now, let's pause for just a second right there. What did they do in the temple? They prayed at the temple. 
they went to the temple for prayer. If you're not sure about that, go to John, or John, don't go there. We're going to stay right here, Brother Gabriel. But go to Acts chapter 3, and in Acts chapter 3, we find that Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. The temple was a place they went for prayer. They didn't go to the temple for the word. They went to the synagogue for the word, if you were a Jew. The word was taught in the synagogue. The temple was a place of prayer and sacrifice. All right? So they went to the temple for prayer. They continuing daily in one accord in the temple. I'm not telling you the word was never opened in the temple. I'm just telling you the temple was known as a place of prayer. Scribes and Pharisees would gather at the synagogue and open the scrolls. That's why you can read about Jesus. He went teaching and preaching in their synagogues. So... Anyway, that was a digression. So they're continuing daily with one accord in the temple. That's a place they went for prayer. And breaking bread, where'd they break bread at? House to house. And they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And what did the Lord do because of what they continued in daily? He added to the church daily, such as should be saved. I'm told by credible sources, and I've heard it multiple times, I have not dug all the way into it myself, but I'm told that there was no church building for the first 300 years. And if you and I were to begin to study scripture and look at timelines, that we would not find a building that would have been called the church for 300 years. This adding to the church was a product of continuing daily in the temple or in prayer, in fellowship. What kind of fellowship? Just, well, just getting over and playing risk? No, nothing wrong with playing risk, I don't guess but spiritual fellowship and breaking bread from house to house. This sharing of the word, this continuing in the word, this house to house sharing of the word almost sounds like home Bible studies. Daily. And when they did that daily, the Lord added to the church daily. You can go to Acts chapter 6. We won't go read it for sake of time. You can go read it. But we find that the situation arose in Acts 6 and 1. It says there, the situation arose between the Hebrews and the Grecians or something like that. There was this murmuring that took place because the widows were neglected in the daily ministration. It was like they decided that we had a, have a widow's ministry in the church. And now these widows over here are not getting attention. And so we need to get another committee and solve this issue and take care of this. And I mean, it doesn't say that, but that's the essence of what it's declaring to us is this little niche of, you know, this little, dare I call it social need um, over here. Right. Because we live in a day and a time in which we try to build departments and churches to fit every little niche. And I'm not against youth ministry and children's ministry and young marrieds and all those things. But 
I don't think they had all that in the book of Acts. I believe the Spirit of the Lord ministered to every facet. But in Acts chapter 6, this murmuring arose because some widows were neglected. And so there, the apostles did not deny that, hey, there's a need for ministry here. But they said, notice what it said. Maybe we should go there and read it so you know that we're in the Word. Acts chapter 6, verse number 2. That's the one we already said, verse 2. And so the 12 called the disciples, said it's not reason that we should. Notice what they said. It is not reason, this need over here of ministry to the widows. They said this is not reason that we should leave what? The word of God. And serve tables. Now I've read that many times. And I've often thought that meant the apostles were saying, well, the 12 of us shouldn't leave the word of God. We need to give ourselves to the word of God and everybody else go serve tables. That's not true. The apostles were addressing the church and the apostles were telling the church this situation is not necessary, should not take the church away from the word of God. To serve table. How do I know that? Well, we'll read a little bit further. Look at verse number three. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you. How many are they supposed to find? Oh, oh, seven men. Don't get the whole church to form a committee and let's start doing something with this. They were still speaking to the church. They were saying this need is here. Yes, okay, we're acknowledging it. But we can't get distracted from the word of God as the people of God. And so look out seven men from among you that we can appoint over this matter. Okay, or this business, verse number four. But we, who's we? Just the apostles? I don't think so. If we were just the apostles, why would they say just appoint seven? We is the church. We will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer and what? The ministry of the word. That sounds an awful lot like Acts 2, verse 46 and 47. They continued daily in the temple. Prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread from house to house. This is what we're going to do. You get seven people to deal with this need of ministry over here. and we're. But it's not enough. Don't let it take us away. Now, verse number five, watch. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, Holy Ghost, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, and Parmenas, Nicholas, Proslide of Antioch, going on verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they laid hands on them, prayed, and they laid their hands on them, verse 7. Now watch what happened. The word of God did what? Did it increase because now there's seven men serving tables? I don't think so. The word of God increased because that murmuring that came that was trying to distract the church from its calling and its purpose was addressed and dealt with. And the church could again give themselves to prayer and the word. Prayer and the ministry of the word. And as soon as they did that, the word of God increased. The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. 
I, uh, I've had to repent for being distracted from the word. We have a calling as children of God filled with the spirit of God. If we want to walk in the apostles doctrine. Theirs was pretty simple. We will give ourselves to prayer. And the ministry of the word. What do we give ourselves? Prayer and the ministry of the word. Anybody. Can teach a home Bible study. I. Um, I've watched. Something happen in my lifetime. That is a beautiful thing and is speaks of the hour in which we live and the opportunity, the open door that is set before us. It is not an uncommon thing at all to walk into a public place today and see someone sitting there with a Bible open. That's changed in my lifetime. It really, really has. There is a brother in Hawaii, Brother Sanders. I I probably won't do justice to his story, but it's inspired me, and I'm finishing here. Brother Sanders went to Hawaii, and he said he started a Starbucks ministry. Well, that's a good ministry to start. If you're going to start one, start a Starbucks ministry. And so what he did, he knew the Lord had called he and his wife there to be instruments in the Lord building a church there. And so what he did is Brother Sanders would go and he'd sit down in Starbucks with his Bible open and he'd pray there with his Bible in Starbucks. I don't think he necessarily made a scene, right? I don't necessarily think that was his only place of prayer, but he'd sit there and pray and say, God, send the person. And he'd pray until somebody would walk in and engage him in conversation. And then he'd begin to open the door in the word and start teaching a Bible study. It was like he was just fishing at Starbucks is what he was doing. He had the word out. He had the net out. He was praying and just got the net. What are you doing? I'm just Starbucks is my ocean where I'm fishing and I'm just there and I'm throwing out the net. And I cannot remember, and I won't try to put a number on it or tell you the, but he will tell you the Lord used them to build the church there where they are in Hawaii, and they have multiple congregations. He would tell you the Lord used him to build it with a Starbucks Bible study ministry, doing that again and again and again, day after day after day after day after day. Why don't you stand with me tonight? I had. I had reached out to Brother Lewis and Sister Julie and Brother Zario and Sister Priscilla. And. uh, I'd asked them about. I think the way I phrased it was their process and progression 
in getting or starting a home Bible study. They gave me all kinds of stuff. And um, excuse me, both of them were very clear about, well, you know, it uh, takes a work of the Spirit first. Um, But I'm going to ask them to come for just a minute before we close. They didn't know I was going to do this. I'm going to ask them to come right up. Maybe you guys can come right. We're going to make them a panel. How's that? You, you know what? You can sit back down for just a second. Brother Rosario, Sister Priscilla, Brother Lewis, Sister Julie, come on up here. Why don't, why don't you guys, yeah. Why don't you guys pull these chairs right up here? You're, you're going to be this illustrious panel. Look at that. Thank you, Brother Flowers. I know for a fact the Lord has had, I didn't get a chance to put them on the spot. I know the Lord has used Brother Tim and Sister Sally in this regard as well. They've had home Bible studies they've taught in their home and have reached into people's lives. I know Brother Tim is the reason Brother Juan is sitting here tonight. Is that a fair statement? Reaching to him with the word at work. Reaching to him with the word at work. Sharing the truth of the gospel. And a little bit of word from Brother Tim got into the, got past the big outer shell that is Brother Juan and got into his heart. And now we have this precious Jimenez family with five beautiful girls and this couple that is a product of Brother Tim giving a Bible study at work. Oh, it wasn't a, here's a chart, let's stop for an hour. But it was, here's a little bit of word. No, brother, there's a little bit of word. And planning the word daily. You guys got microphone? Isn't this beautiful? You guys want to ask them questions? Okay, I'll ask questions. And if you have a question, and there's, look, they don't have a right or wrong answer, all right? They're just talking to you about what they've done, or, and they didn't know I was going to do this. I just felt like I wanted to do this before we go tonight. It's all right? So I don't care who answers it, so you can go. And, all right. Now, I don't want no 40-minute answer either, okay? <laughs> so um, why don't you just take a minute and talk about, um, to you, what a door for a Bible study looks like. Okay? Is that fair? What looks like a door for a Bible study to you? We can just work our way down the line or one couple and the other, however. Don't be bashful. Um, A door would probably be um, being there at work and uh, engaging with, with people and knowing that, you know, God opened up a conversation, you know, for you to just minister to that person. And then pretty soon when, you know, you're talking to that person, you know, it's like you're exchanging ministry and it's like they're just receiving from whatever you've, whatever's inside of you, whatever God's placed in you, you know, from prayer.
So it starts before the Bible, before the formal Bible study. The Bible study's already started because of that open door. Okay. All right. And anybody, the other, add anything to that or something different? Good. Um, Get that up there. I, I think that it just, you know, it starts with just, like I kind of shared in the text message when you asked me, um, of just your lifestyle, you know, of being in the word and prayer and, and just living it out. And, and, and express it, it's an expression to everyone else. Everyone else sees it, and it begins to open up a way of conversation. Um, they begin to ask questions like, hey, I noticed this about you. I noticed this. You, know, you don't seem like other people, or you don't talk like this. And they begin to ask questions like, well, what is that? What is that about? And then you begin to explain it to them. You know, obviously, the Lord leads by his spirit and, um, you know, sharing scriptures. And, um, you know, there's been so many doors that have opened up just from conversations, you know, just about someone asking me, you know, why this? Or how come you don't look this way? Or how come you don't talk this way? So, um, but yeah. And a lot, kind of what Lewis was saying, going along with that. Excellent. And the script, you know, the scripture says we are living epistles. Yes known and read of all men an epistle is a letter right we are living letters and so but i think something significant was said there when they ask i respond with why right so recognizing when they engage me very good okay i'll just say i think the reality is is that we come in contact with people all the time every day throughout the day at the grocery store at the at our job, uh, in our families even. And there's opportunities all the time that God will place before us. And sometimes we miss it because we're so concerned about the task at hand. But every person that you come in contact with is an opportunity to share the word. And you should take it if the Lord leads you to do so. Because I, I don't know, there's times I'll run into somebody and then I'll run into them again and I'll run into them again. And it's the Lord's like trying to like push you to have that conversation with them. All you got to do is open your mouth and say, you know what the word of God says? Or you know what, I, I want to pray with you about that situation because people will just tell you. I mean, you'll be in the grocery store line and someone's telling you about their dog dying or, or, you know, they lost their job or whatever, whatever issue they have, people just spill. And you have that, op- that's an opportunity to open up for a study or to pray with someone. And everything's an opportunity. Um, to go off of what everybody said, um, just witnessing, simply being a witness. I found in a couple of the Bible studies prior to us teaching, prior to the Lord opening the doors, we were just witnessing. I remember just being excited about what God is doing. And then I see this excitement in the person's eyes and they, you know, they're engaging. There's an open heart. God has already been working on their heart. And, um, it just sort of comes up like, well, you know, would you like to sit down and open the word together? You know, we'd, we'd love to, to share the word with you. And, and, you know, then, of course, you come up with common times and places. And, um, but witnessing, simply witnessing and letting the person respond. Um, also, really quickly, <laughs> ladies, I didn't get that text message until this morning. So when we prayed for Bible studies last night, I that. That wasn't off of something I had already heard. I believe the Holy Spirit is leading us, was leading us last night when we prayed. That was not until this morning for the ladies who were here. Praise God. I believe that. I didn't know that the ladies prayed for home Bible studies last night. So it's a witness of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. Um, 
Any, anybody have a question? Sister Schoonover. I personally um, like to give a person just a short set of Bible studies in case they walk away. And in that short set of Bible studies, I teach what the Bible is, who Jesus is, the burial, or the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel, and the filling of the Holy Ghost. And if they leave after that, I've given all that I can give that that'll come back to them eventually. That word will not come back void. And that's what I want to give. And so it takes four Bible studies to do that. You can get them in four weeks or four days or whatever you have, that's, I think, the best. And then after that, we use the search for truth, if we can continue to keep them in Bible study, or as the Lord would stop us from teaching something like that and can you teach a certain subject. But. So, um, I know with us, we, we like to, first of all, teach them on, um, you know, who God is, uh, who the deity of Jesus was, uh, God incarnate, and, and then the name, and then salvation, and then go into, because I believe they got to know who God is before you start teaching them on repentance, and baptism, and filling of the Holy, you know, Spirit, and um, and then from there, that's just kind of like the, the foundation, and like, I feel like the biblical principles, and then going into, like, the search for truth, or, or something similar to that, and then, you know, there's times when we're just in prayer that day, and we feel led to share you know, on something else, and it's not, it's not the search for truth, it's just however the Lord's leading us that day, and, and what we feel the need is, and, and just the leading of his spirit, um, but we do like to go through the search for truth, and start in the beginning to show them, you know, the history of God's people, his love, and I, I shared some of this stuff with, with Elder, and, um, but his love, and just, just, just everything that the word is, you know, and so, yeah. And when we have been in Bible studies a couple times, um, people had questions. And so we, you know, we, we felt a leading of the Lord to answer those questions. And, and the Bible study went a whole other direction. But it really ministered to the people who would ask the questions. Or yeah, I, I know that. Kind of, but I remember, you know, doing the Bible study, having a set, you know, thing of we're doing this search for truth on topic if it would be no Moses or Noah and then we start talking about something else and the Lord you know the spirit of the Lord's leading in another direction and we're that we're, we're talking about that rather than the Bible study we thought we were going to be teaching and then we just gave it to him as homework and said we'll come back you know next week and we'll talk about what you learned from reading it on your own and I feel like there's something critical about that as well having them read it on their own and bringing it back at times and, and talking about it and, and getting what they got out of it um, so yeah I know when um, I remember seeing him when I at my job that I worked at I worked at Top Foods and then we did the Bible studies and I remember it was a strange it was strange to me because I didn't really grow up going to church and stuff like that but he started talking about because I always thought that you know God the Father the Son the Holy Ghost were three separate things and in a way I looked at them like three separate persons in a way you know and they were teaching us that you know Jesus is God in the flesh and and you know speaking in tongues was strange to us and. And all this stuff was a little odd. And I remember our look at it was like, you know, 
they're kind of um, a little extreme and and uh, you know that might be for them but for right now that's not for us we 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 we, we accepted everything but we saw that they the way they dressed and and the way that they talked we were still in the world you know but we were giving ourselves over to the word of god and it really transformed our lives you know and it was when we came to the lord it wasn't um like we thought like you know i need to change this about me it was all of it was was we just got to stay faithful and there was some seasons where we weren't you know we weren't doing bible studies because something came up it was an offense or something where we were separated for uh, a season and then we came back but ever since then it was more of like we just got to stay faithful and then the changes started happening after that and it wasn't us trying to change it was just the lord convicting our hearts through our you know um, I guess faithfulness and our hunger, our desire for the Lord. So, yeah. Um, I think the 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 Bible study that really kind of opened my eyes, and it was hard to accept at first, because like Azaria said, we, um, I thought I loved God. <laughs> I um, I was raised to believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I was taught little s- saving prayers. Um, but when we, I remember leaving Buena one time and they had opened the word and they had showed me who God was and how he came in the flesh and he himself died for my sins. God, not, not you know, a second person. And, and I remember being like, wait a second at, on the car ride home. And I remember telling Azaria, I was like, that's weird. Like Jehovah, I thought Jehovah was God. And um, then I remember going back the next time, and it was all in the word. I don't know if I had questions, but I just remember it was all in the word, and you can't deny what you see. I couldn't deny. And there's something so powerful about truth and knowing God and, and know, getting to know him personally, and that for me, that was that opened the door to a whole, a whole relationship that wasn't open prior to knowing truth. Any other questions tonight? Yes. Yeah, I believe it's different every time, you know, but I remember when I uh, ran into Isaiah, he was fishing, and I was down there, and, you know, I couldn't catch anything. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever been good at fishing, you know. I just go to, just to tell people that I go fishing sometimes, but I remember when I was there, you know, and the fellowship that I would have with the Lord, you know, that fellowship with God, God will just bring it out of you and there'll be that connection. And I remember I didn't leave him just there. I told him, hey, can I get your number? And, you know, would you like to come over to the house? And, you know, man, you know, we can finish this conversation. You know, I'd like to get to know you and 
that's that's how it went. You know, he gave me his number and he came over to the house. And after that, it transitioned into Bible studies and, you know, connecting him into the group. And, you know, I remember when he came, the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. And it wasn't something that we could produce or anything. It's just God wanted to fill him then and there and connect him. And ever since then, he's been... And then I will say, you can also trick people. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I <laughs> when I got, I told, I started teaching Bible studies. I said, Brittany, you gotta let me practice on you. I gotta, I gotta practice teaching Bible studies. Would you let me practice on you? <laughs> and I think it was like three Bible studies in, and she was in the heart of repentance, and uh, it was amazing. And um, Sandra asked me for Bible studies on several occasions. <laughs> So, I mean, it's just different every time, and the Lord, the Lord will lead you. I, I think sometimes, sometimes you'll meet people and there won't be. How much do you attribute to an already scheduled weekly Bible study to it being by transfusion? And, and, and your experience of all the Bible studies that you've had, I know you often have had a scheduled weekly Bible study, and you just refer to it as the Bible study, and you would bring people. How much of your Bible study teaching has lent itself to that environment or made it easy for you to get them to come because it's something that you do in your everyday life? We, we currently have four people in our home Bible study right now. Is bec they're there because there was a Bible study there. And so, so that would be about 75% of the people there. Anything that anybody else would add on to that question about how do you get them from a conversation to into your home or start about Sister Priscilla? Um, I think just having connections, like making a personal connection, because from what I've experienced is it's somebody who the relationship, it goes beyond, um, you know, just, hey, you want to have a Bible study? Or it's just, you know, conversating, letting them know, that you are interested in them genuinely. And um, so it's just a, a connection and yeah, like a friendship. Um, and, and then that, you know, they invite people who they have friendships with. And so then you meet people that you've never seen before. And um, so I think it's all about just initial connections and genuine connections and connections. No, I know. I kind of understand what you're saying because there's people that you had in your life that you brought to church, and they go and they come, and they're they're not really ever receiving any like a solid foundation at all. Um, you have to kind of work around that sometimes. You have to really like maybe you know offer that, open that up. You know, if you ever have any questions, I'm here. I can teach you Bible studies. Sometimes you got to do that. I've I've done that on, on many many occasions. Me and my husband both. 
Um, we've given Bible studies to people who are very faithful to other churches, and you would be surprised at what they don't know. And so doing something like um, the Search for Truth, which covers everything. We do Search for Truth, too, and it covers, I mean, we talk about Elisha, Elijah, the kings, um, and they don't know. And so I think just truth, you know, just sitting down and um, starting with the truth that we know and we love because they're faithful to these other churches, but they're not getting it. And so I think if, um, you know, like, like my husband said, starting with who he is, who is he? Jesus is the I am. And when you show people it, truth is powerful. It's a great example. The word stands on itself on its own. And I think that's something that I would add that's very important to remember when we're teaching a Bible study, we're not trying to convince people of some denominational way. We're sharing the word of God. The word of God is truth. The word of God will stand on its own. And so when we share the word of God, revelation begins to come to a hungry heart. And they're saying, I see this in Scripture. Hold on. What I see is different than what I've heard somebody telling me. But what I see in the Scripture, that's revelation. And that's given by the Lord to the hungry heart. So, Sister, please. There are many people who have a hunger for the Lord and his word. And those opportunities are there. And I think the Lord is saying to us, be aware. There's people that will want to open the word with you. Right. It's, it's not necessarily someone that is that is in their eyes lost and out in the world. They're in the word, they, but they have a hunger for deeper things of the word. So. The moment that door is open to us and we say, let's open the word together. And you begin walking through the scripture together. The word reveals itself. And I have never I can I'm not trying to tag on that. I've never taught a Bible study where I haven't learned something. You start digging in the word to teach it and you start sharing the word with others. You start seeing stuff. The spirit begins revealing things to you as you're sharing the word of God. So it's the power of the word of God. All right. Well, I, want, I wanted to share something. And that's that's the way I look at it, too, is that we don't just we don't come at. I know for me and my wife, we don't come looking at it like we're the teachers and we're not going to receive from anyone else. We look at ourselves like we're we're fellow students with them and we are teachers. And there's some things that, you know, I've had family members I was doing Bible studies with and pouring into as the Lord was leading me. And um, there's been times when 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 they have ministered to me. And they didn't even know it. You know, it's just some of the things that the, that the Lord was leading them to say to me. And, uh, you know, I always feel like, you know, when you're when you're teaching the Bible studies and stuff, um, you know, the Lord can use anybody to minister, you know. And so even if it's a person that maybe doesn't fully understand all of the doctrine, you know, but has a grasp on who God is and, and, and the principles that we talked about with 
you know, baptism and death, burial, resurrection, gospel. So, but yeah. When the Lord does open the doors for us to teach the word, he does something within us. There's something about letting, you know, those living waters flow through you. Like, I I feel so, like, you know, we, are, we should always feel connected to the Lord, but when we are teaching and, and when we know, just, you know, the Lord, the Lord's just, he does something with your relationship with the Lord. It's an amazing experience. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't we stand together again? Can you put verse 6 back up there, Brother Gabriel? I'm going to stand with this fancy couple here. Maybe verse 5, 4. There you go. Could we pray before we go tonight? And could we ask the Lord, according to his will and purpose, to put that in our spirit? And to give us a sensitivity and awareness to these opportunities? You know, the ministry that took place on Sunday when I said I feel like the Lord's preparing us for a purpose. He's turning us from ourselves to his purpose again. What keeps us from fulfilling this? We just get busy with all of our own stuff. It's not a question of loving the Lord or wanting to serve him. We just get busy with our stuff. And so the Lord is lovingly and gently bringing us and saying, hey, I've got purpose for every one of you. And it's found in that verse right there, giving ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. And we've seen from these testimonies, that doesn't mean we quit our jobs. It doesn't mean we don't go fishing. Right? It doesn't mean we don't go to the mall at Orange Julius. It's just there's awareness in our daily life because we're in prayer. And wherever we are in daily life, we can give ourselves to ministry of the word of God. We're called. We are called. We are called. You are called. Amen. Praise God. Brother Lewis, why don't you lead us in prayer as we close? Would you do that? You got a microphone there. Let us all bow our or let us all pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we thank you for all that you do, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, Lord. I pray as you send us, Lord God. I pray that you would quicken, Father, our spirits, Lord God, to reach, Father, Lord God. I pray the harvest, Father, Lord Jesus, that you would raise up laborers, Lord God. Father, in this in this fold, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, that you would raise up laborers, Lord God, with your heart, your loving kindness and tenderness, Lord God, to go out, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in faith. Amen.